Welcome to the Todd C. Z-Cast, everybody. My name is Todd Zalkins, recorded live here in Long Beach, California, where we talk about a little bit of everything, a little bit of recovery, a little bit of this, that, and the other. Some things relevant and highly irrelevant. We're here to share with you what's really going on. Hey, and good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Z-Man Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Zalkins, and today is Monday, January 7th, on a crisp and cool afternoon here in Long Beach, California. God, we're supposed to get about five days of rain here in just a couple of days. I cannot believe it. I don't think it's ever rained five days ever here in Southern California. Looking forward to some of that weather. Today's program is brought to you by Balboa Horizons. Balboa Horizons is Southern California's premier drug and alcohol treatment center serving adults and families across the country since 2004. Balboa Horizons is a fully licensed an accredited treatment center and has received Joint Commission's gold seal of approval for behavioral health care accreditation. That's the highest ranking a treatment center can achieve. Balboa offers a full continuing continuum of recovery care that includes medical detox, inpatient, intensive outpatient, outpatient, strong aftercare through the lifetime support in our extensive alumni network. Balboa Horizons is dedicated to clinical cutting-edge approaches that yield innovative treatment for those seeking freedom from addiction that improves the emotional and spiritual health of our clients and impacted families. One more thing. Please, if you're at the end of your rope and seeking help for a family member or loved one, this is an invitation to visit our free every Thursday evening, 6.30 to 8.30. It's a community program. Come to 129 Cabrillo Street, in Costa Mesa, California, for Balboa Horizons Free Community Group and get the support and education you need from our executive clinical team. Don't be embarrassed. Please call them now if you need some help at 833-NOT-ALONE. Again, 833-NOT-ALONE or check out balboahorizons.com. This program is also brought to you by As High As I Am. As High As I Am is Morro Bays and the Central Coast premier surf brand, surf store, and has the finest clothing anywhere in the general vicinity of about six to 700 miles. So if any of you guys ever need a t-shirt, some surf wax, surfboard, wetsuit, etc., he will charge you triple just for stopping by and mentioning my name. All surf wax starts at $47.63. And if you come in there and say that your Uncle Z-Man sent you, he'll give you a free bar but charge you 60 bucks for the first one. As high <laughs> as I am, the finest surfwear brand in all of Central California. Oh, boy. You know, I can't wait to bring on our, on our uh, you know, I'm going to bring on our guest right now. You guys won't believe this, but seated in front of me is Michael Jackson. It, it, it is. His name is M.A. Jackson, but his name really is Michael Jackson. Jackson is a U.S. Army veteran as well as a proud and present father. Prior to getting sober, Jackson was taken into custody at O.C. Jail and psych wards 22 different times. He's, he's gone through four different residential treatment programs, two Prop 36 programs, and countless sober living homes. Check this out. Jackson is the founder of Stay Stopped United a social enterprise clothing and apparel brand reinforcing, supporting, and encouraging the work being performed at drug and alcohol treatment programs and their alumni programs. M.A. Jackson, 
Welcome to the show. Thanks, Todd. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing good, man. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you, man. You made that introduction sound just amazing. I could do a sit and smile and think about all that I've been through, you know, to get here. Um, It's really an honor, and I give the glory to God, too. Um, I do have a sobriety date. Oh, I'm sorry. My name is Jackson. Um, I do have a sobriety date of May 8th, 2015. And again, that is definitely a date that I just will remember for always. Um, Well, congratulations on being clean and sober. We're going to talk about your story in just a second. Before we do, you know, know it's the new year, right? Yes. Happy New Year to you. And Happy New Year to all you guys who are watching and later be listening on Spotify and iTunes. Do you know that we now have the bum out of the week, Jackson? The bum out of the week. Do you want to know what the bum out of the week is? I'm looking forward to hearing about it. Well, I'm going to tell everybody who the bum out of the week is. These are people who are setting me back, (laughs) frustrating me and making me bitter. They're not going to make me relapse, but it's going to make me think that these people really truly are a bum out. Now, this week's bum out of the week. For Monday, January 7th, 2019, is Axel Rose. <clears throat> <laughs> Axel, hey, uh, you know, I guess he, he recently released a song called Rock the Rock with, uh, with special guest appearances by Porky Pig and Bugs Bunny. Axel, no. no. <laughs> uh, Axel, the, the, the original formula works quite well. In fact, I think you guys made about 900 million effing dollars on the last tour. You don't need to reach for Porky Pig or Bugs Bunny to develop new tunes. New Looney tunes. tunes are perfect on their own. Axel, please do not put a bandana on Bugs or some bullshit tattoo on my good friend Porky Pig. Okay? And please don't allow them to follow your personality traits. Axel, we're good with you the way you are. Keep screaming, keep kicking, keep crying, keep whining. Stay real and stay Axel, but stay away from Looney Tunes. So that is our bum out of the week. Bum out. All right, enough of that stuff. Let's talk about, I want to talk to my friend Jackson here, and I get to call him Jackson. I want to first, uh, I want to first thank you for your service to our country. Absolutely, thank you for your support. I am a, I'm a, uh, people like you are my true heroes. My, my father was in the Marine Corps. My awesome. uncle was a proud Vietnam veteran. Awesome. Thank you for, for helping our country out and doing whatever it is that you did. And, and, Absolutely. And Absolutely. So, um, you know, Jackson, let's, let's start out with, are you comfortable right now? I am comfortable. Yes, sir. I'm very comfortable. Were you uncomfortable a few minutes ago? Yeah, super duper. <laughs> you guys should have seen him in the car. Jackson's all over the place. He's uh, like, oh, uh, Jesus. Yeah, I'm praying and itching. And, yeah, it was definitely a moment there. It, it, see, here's a, the good news is I was telling Jackson is like, we've only got about 16 listeners. He says, really, only 16? I go, yeah, about eight to 10,000 beyond that. Yeah. And then you started getting really uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. Whereabouts did you uh, talk, talk about your family dynamic a little bit and, and, and tell our listeners and viewers what, where you grew up and what your family looked like? Well, um, born and raised in New Jersey, South Jersey. Um, grew up in a single-parent family. Um, great upbringing. My mom did the, the best that she possibly could. Some average student, you know, class clown. But, um, again, I got to that phase in high school and – the party scene started kicking in, but again, I always tried to maintain, you know, playing football, being respectful to mom. But it very gradually was starting to get loose. Now, you, now you're a pretty big, strong dude. What yeah. position did you play? At, De- uh, defensive end. 
I would not have wanted you yeah, because, chasing me. Yeah, I was on it. I loved it's it. It's like, holy shit, here comes M.A. Jackson about to take out my jugular. 6'1", 310 pounds. Did you hear that? 6'1", 310. Yeah. So when our when our band ever needs bodyguard or security services, <laughs> M. A., which, which we don't because nobody likes our band, M.A. Jackson will be there to help protect us. Yeah. Am I right? Absolutely. So you played football for a while. Yes. And how, how long did you play for? I uh, played ever since Pop Warner. Oh, my God. So that's like the 85-pounders all through high school. Um, caught a hernia my senior year. And, yeah, that just shot all the plans for the pros. But um, God knows you had the right size to play yeah, that D-line really and nose that. tackle yeah. or something. But I was fortunate enough to have my um, Army recruiter lived like, across the street from where I lived and he was on my door every day and he's like yeah once you get healed up you know take your physical and the military is definitely the route for you and I was it sounded like a, a instant go get him I just wanted to do it it seemed like the next best thing to do now while you're playing football in high school you're talking mm -hmm. about things starting to think you said get loose and stuff yeah, like that yeah. and so um was it a pretty uh, a pretty big party environment uh, in New Jersey where, where you guys were doing your thing? Yeah, you know, Todd, I'm glad you brought that up because um, I, I like to reflect back. Um, I was 12 years old, and, and here's what they say, you guys. You you know you're a real alcoholic when you can remember the exact age and, and place that you were sitting when you had that first drink. Talk and, to me. And I remember being 12 years old, going to the senior party, okay, and they were sitting at the table doing shots. And I remember I walked into that party and sat at that table just as confident. And they pushed that shot glass over to me. And Seagram, seven and seven. And the rest was history. The rest was oblivion, I guess I should say. But yeah, that would start my venture into the party scene. And I was accepted automatically by the juniors and seniors in high school at a young age of 12 years old. And yeah, it was just on and cracking from there. On and cracking from yeah, there. Yeah. I, I, I love the, uh, yeah. the recall there. In fact, I'm going to let me share yeah. some recall with you. Yeah, yeah. So in the uh, here in Long Beach, there was a party going on in Naples. And the, it was just like you said, the yeah. older dudes. Yeah. And, you know, old, these guys are 17, 16, <laughs> exactly. 18. And <laughs> right. I was about 12. Yeah. So my buddy and I, we rolled over there. They barely let us in. Mm -hmm. And check this out. I'll mm -hmm. never forget this. There's, ke there's a keg of beer. Yeah. And I'm reaching for that cup and I, they gave me a little cup and word had it uh, word on the street or at mm -hmm. the party was that some guy was, was having, was having sex with a girl in the, in the back of the house. Oh, yeah. So I was like, Whoa, I want to, what's going on there? I went, to, went to the back room and I knocked on the door. I said, Hey Sal. He's like, who the F is that? I'm like, yeah. It's Todd Zalkins. Can I come in and check that out? Because he, goes, <laughs> he, he out. opens the door, yeah. totally naked, and says, you little shit, go home or I'm going to kill you. Yeah, <laughs> so I had a half a beer and I was done. That was that. But I had more beer later. Absolutely. So, um, so from that, you know, back in New Jersey when you're hanging out with these guys, and mm -hmm. did you gravitate to, towards people who – just did that kind of thing, you know, the, naturally versus the people who are hitting the books and all yeah, that stuff. No, that was everything I was not doing. I'd never read a book. I remember vividly. These are my people, the party people, the football team after the football practice, it was party. That's what we did. We were every weekend. I mean, this is remember like eighth, ninth grade. We're looking for the party come the weekend, smoking weed on the bike trail. You know, that was just where I fit. And I don't know. Yeah. 
And so your crew did mm-hmm. like-minded stuff yes. that you like to do. Yes. And uh, you know, now that you're a sober guy, and, and I mentioned it before, I'm stoked and congratulations on your own sobriety. But you know, when we're young, if someone were to walk up to you and say, hey, Jackson, mm-hmm. this is a progressive disease. <laughs> it gets worse, never better. What would you have said? <laughs> Pass me a joint? <laughs> yeah, whatever, bro. It just it just wouldn't have touched it all. Yeah, it would not have impacted it whatsoever. Nowhere. Yeah, it, it, we're not ready to make changes until something some bad stuff's going on, right? And so yes. it's, it was going to take a little while for you to get to that place. Yes. And you know, you touched on a gentleman who was a who was an <clears throat> army recruiter, or mm-hmm. you know, someone mm-hmm. for the armed forces mm-hmm. was in your neighborhood. Yes. And can you tell us a little bit about um, when you came into the service and, yeah. and, and what and what kind of stuff you did in the service? Yeah, again, that was a great one as well. Again, his name was Sergeant Franklin, and I remember he would come through and he would knock on my door and said, what are you going to do after you graduate? What are you going to do? And I was like, I'm going to have a construction business now. I'm going to do something. But again, he's like, what are you going to do? Or is that what you really want to do? And he gave me a list of all the different occupations or job training that the military would offer. And I actually took the time because he was so persistent in trying to reach out to help. And, and I was only one of all of them, my friends that actually was taking interest. Because he's like, why don't you tell your other friends to come and check it out? But again, I took sincere interest in it because, again, I was starting to develop. You know, I do want to do something. My sister had left for college. She went to Temple University. My mom had just remarried and moved to Florida. So I was basically in Jersey, staying at my friend's house, just kind of figuring out my life. Here I'm graduating, and again, I got to make a direction and decision. And I said, what better way, what better direction than to be a soldier? I just felt like being a soldier was my next best calling. Now, um, it prompts me to to ask you this. Mm -hmm. Was your father in the picture at all? Negative. Okay. Ne- negative. Yes. From from the get go. From the get go. Yes, that's correct. And if you don't mind my asking, has mm-hmm. there been any contact even t- to now? Um. Again, now? God rest his soul. Um. Again, my father passed away in um, 2014. Um. I did make contact when I was 19. So between the time I was born until age 19, I didn't actually get reunited with my father. And it was no resentment. It was no type of animosity. It was my father. So again, I never tried to, you know, put the blame game on him. We really bonded with each other well. Went to Atlantic City, uh, uh, hang out at the casinos a couple of weekends. And this is like when I was on leave from the military, we did this. And um, when he passed away, we were actually, he was in Philly. And I was in California, and he knew of my struggles in addiction. But again, he was always supportive and very encouraging. And he said, I'm always here for you. He used to always call me son. That was us. I can resonate. He goes, I'm here for you, son. And again, it was weird to me because, again, I never called him dad. I was always like, yo, or um, it was never directly. Mom was the rock, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The solid rock. But yeah, when he passed... Um, yeah, it hit me really hard, more so than I thought. But I remembered he was always encouraging to me and supportive. Again, he knew of my addiction and he knew of my struggle coming in and out. Um, but again, he passed away and, and, and God rest his soul. I'm sorry for your loss. And you and I, you and I, I share on that too. My, my pop passed away in 2008. And, um, but it sounds like there was some love there, some mutual respect. Absolutely. Beautiful. Uh, so coming back to the armed forces, mm-hmm. did, was there something that you specialized in the army? Was 
Because yes. everyone gets a specialty, right? Or trains so, for a specialty. So, yeah. So here's the deal with my military career. Okay. So I figured, okay, I wanted to go and I said, I wanted to do something important in the military. So I said, I wanted to be some type of an officer or something uh, of, of some type of importance. Um, and they found one of the jobs, it was um, in military intelligence and it was a radar analyst. So again, my actual job was considered a non-communications military intelligence radar analyst, which consisted of um, a flight going out. We pick up whatever weapon systems are in that specific area. We report it back to the infantry division. And then the infantry is able to locate and blow up whatever that weapon system is. So it we sounds, were, sounds like a very important job. Yes, it was It was very high speed, it, yes. It, there is no way that any arm of the military would entrust me to be doing the job that you were handling. Mm. I gotta ask this question. Mm. Were you partying while you're doing that job? Negative, negative. Again, that was my Too little, much respect for that. Yeah, right? absolutely. I'd get, so like from when I went into the military, again, I, all the partying things stopped. Um, so again, between, let's see, I was 18 when I went in, um, all up until 21, my 21st birthday is when I've really indulged back into it. Because again, I'm turning 21. I'm in Germany at the time. And that's what you do when you turn 21. You drink, you get wasted, you get loaded. Yeah, and, I, I got to say something really quick. Because it would have been a bummer if you're all loaded doing your job. And you're like, hey guys, no, no, no. you just bombed the wrong yeah, city. No, no. I guess that that's a problem. Yeah, I was already in for like four years. And, and I was I was well equipped to to you know do it partying was not even a factor until after i got back from kuwait in the uh, the operation desert storm um after i got back from there again the partying scene just picked up even more i i want to i want to ask you this about mm -hmm. you know for between yourself and mm -hmm. and the, the gentlemen and the late the, the men and women that you served with mm -hmm. ptsd seems to be such a yeah such a not a pop it's a devastating thing that people mm -hmm. go through and it's mm -hmm. so common that it's talked about now mm -hmm. you and some others did you guys experience a great deal of this did you bring some at home with you and if so how did you go about treating it <sighs> yeah and then i took a deep breath on that one i felt that one i still <sighs> so um a couple of different situations when we were in kuwait um it did actually land us in situations where we had to do what's called a hop or a jump um we had location and the Scud missiles were headed our direction. If you I don't know if you guys remember the Patriot, but the Patriot was the lifesaver for us. But we had a Scud missile headed right to our location and we were all in position and we just knew that was it. We didn't know we couldn't we, we couldn't do anything. And we're just in position and if it wasn't for that Patriot missile, yeah, I would not be sitting here talking that to you. That intercepted guys. it? Yeah, it intercepted. And it intercepted it visually. We were in visual uh, of of it hitting. We it was it was that close to us. So it was the end. Yes, essentially. And, again, and I remember sitting there. My heart was banging out on my chest, and I couldn't breathe. And it was definitely an experience. It was traumatical, and I remember that to this day. And yeah, so again, I'm I'm definitely one of those PTSD guys. Well, I I appreciate yeah. you having the courage just to just to talk about it. Yeah. And um and I'm so I'm so blown <laughs> away and so impressed by people like yourself who have who have been overseas and in other lands to fight the fight to help uh, to help us uh, help us Americans remain who we are, I guess. Yeah. But just to be in uniform and doing what you did. Thank you for doing that. Thank and, you so um, much. And I'm sorry to hear about what you brought home. I'm sure there's a lot of other tragic things we can talk about, but 
What do you got there on your arm? What does that say? Word of God. Yeah, this is my little tattoo ink that I kind of, part of my sobriety thing. I kind of knew um, that I was entering into a spiritual program of action. And um, one of my things was to you know put it in ink. It's Ephesians 6.10. Um, it basically protects me um, from the evils that are coming at me. There's a good reminder right there on your yeah, arm. Yeah. When you came... How long were you abroad, uh, you know, in, in the military till you came home, you know, in, until you were discharged? So five years. I served for five years. And um, I was actually abroad for, what was it, two years in Germany. And, um, yeah, like I said, when I came home, it was like, what do I do? I had no idea. To transition from that military life into civilian life, it was complete foreign territory. Did, you know, speaking of the transition, mm -hmm. uh, it did... At the time, did drinking and using all that stuff, was that, okay, this is going to be my medicine right now. Man. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Because, again, the minute that I was out, well, first of all, when I was in the military, it was my last year, I just re-enlisted, and um, I was out partying one night, and cocaine came across the scene. And I was actually demoted to a private um, for testing positive for substance to cocaine. And um, again, that just devastated me altogether. But they didn't kick me out. They were just like, you're going to get reduced to a private E1. And pride and ego just popped up all day long. And I was like, I want out then. I'm getting out. I don't, don't want to be in the Army no more. I'm, I'm out of here. <sighs> so that was a moment for me as well. Um, I had to really look at my life. I'm 23 years old. Um, I'm faced with this get out or stay in as a private E1. And again, Pride and Ego just said, you don't need this no more. I'm over it. Just get out. You got the whole world. You can do it. And when I got out the military, I came right to California and just continued partying. I just continued partying. And you were you're here in Orange County for a while? Yes. Yes. Now, you mentioned uh, that you're a proud and present father. Yes. At, 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 at what age did you become a dad? So 2008, um, my daughter was born. Hi, Gianna. This is Daddy Loves You. <laughs> um, my and she's very, very in line with my sobriety and my recovery today. She's 11 years old. She's 10 years old. Okay. And um, again, she's an active part of my sobriety. I've, you know, taken her to meetings, not too much anymore. But um, again, she knows what Daddy's doing to, you know, get better. But um, proud and present. I'm lost to. I, I did lose my family, so to speak. Um, I was arrested for a battery case. Um, child abuse, child endangerment, because I was, you know, assaulting their mother. And, um, yeah, so that little thing kind of impacted back in 2015. But over the next three years, again, I was back into another residential treatment program, domestic violence classes, all kinds of classes to, you know, improve that relationship and to be a better father was all I wanted to do. So now, again, I've been, you know, I get to see her on the weekends. She's been out of school for the holidays. She spends the whole week with me. Um, we go to the park together. We're very actively involved every weekend. We talk every night. We video every night. Um, and again, it's just something that I completely took advantage of when she was born. I swore, Todd, the day that she was born in 2008, whew, I said, I'm done. I'm not, I'm never doing dope again. I'm never doing it again. And it, it just that it just didn't work. That wasn't enough. And at the time, <clears throat> and, and by the way, thank you for being so transparent and and so honest with your story. It, 
you know, for people who are watching or will be listening, you know, this is you're getting gritty and raw, man. I appreciate you're not candy coating a damn thing. Yeah. Um, what was your drug of choice at the time? Um, crystal methamphetamine, um, hook, line, and sinker, man. That was it. Hook, line, and sinker. I transitioned, and I do consider myself alcoholic um, because, again, I know if I drink a 40 or drink a beer, I'm going to quickly say this ain't enough. I need my my dope. So crystal meth is my actual drug of choice. Um, I smoked my first bowl when I was 24 years old, and it was heaven. It was pure heaven. It was pure contentment like nothing I'd ever felt before. And um, I would proceed for the next 21 years in doing it. But the last 10 years, again, I was trying to stop because, again, I knew I was getting out of control with You it. had some moments where you got off it because yes. you mentioned multiple treatments. You had 30, multiple. 60, 90 days at yes. times, yes, right? Yes, sir, correct. And, you know, take us back to your, I believe that your sobriety date is it May 15th? May 5th. Excuse I'm me. Sorry, May 8th. May 8th, 2015. Okay. And, yeah. you know, take us up to this last week here, you know, in 2015. Uh, probably not a lot of good stuff going on. And was there was there a moment or a consequence that made you say, damn it, man, if if I don't make some changes, this, this is it, man. Was there something that pops into your head? Yeah. And, you know, Okay, so this is the best part. Uh, this is this is like the best. Give me part. the best part, okay. man. This is the best part because see, I'm not one of those drug addict or alcoholics that actually got to that point and said this is enough. I was perfectly content with my life in the bathroom or in a garage, smoking dope and watching Pornhub or whatever else I was doing. I was perfectly content with that. My daughter would knock on the door, "Daddy, we want to get something to eat." Show daddy you're a big girl. Go ahead and make your own sandwich. You know how to do it. Be a big girl. And it was always an annoyance to me. Um, so up to that date, I would wait for them to either get distracted or go play a game or play outside. And that was my time to slip back into the bathroom mm -hmm. for a quick hour, which turned into two hours. And then as soon as they went to bed, boom, I'm out the door. Mom is like, where are you going? What are you doing? I don't have to say nothing. I'm out the door. And I'd come back five, six o'clock in the morning, ready to play dad again. And um, this would continue. Um, this last time, it was May 7th. I remember leaving the house that morning. And um, I'd stayed out all night. May 8th morning rolled around. It was about seven o'clock in the morning. And um, yeah, she got in my face. You're not doing this no more. I'm sick of this, da da da, da. And something happened with my son, Angel. I have a stepson, his name is Angel raised him since he was two too hi angel um but um yeah angel is was mom's you know that's her that's her little boy and he said something and i poked him in his head and was like you need to listen and i poked him in his head and when he did that he fell on the ground and mom came running out and it was just everything broke loose and she swung and swung and swung and I just grabbed her and threw her on the bed. And next thing I know, I'm just trying to choke the life out of her because I'm just sick of it. And I remember popping up saying, I can't control myself. And my daughter screams, Daddy, stop. Hmm. And I remember standing up and I just said, I don't care if I go to the blackest of hell. And Todd, that's actually written on the police report. Because again, when I take it into custody, they give you the police report, you know. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, God. I remember that. I, I don't care if I go to the blackest and deepest of hell. That's where I was at, man. You know, but I was okay with it. I was at, 
yeah. looking at you right now, man. It's mm -hmm. just this this dude is like this soft teddy bear. He's <sighs> a gentle giant, and I gotta tell you, man. The last thing, I, I do a lot of intervention work. Mm -hmm. I travel the country intervening and helping families, mm -hmm. all this stuff. I would not want to intervene on you in a, in a mess psychosis. Mm. I really, because I see the guy that you are today, yeah. and you're, you're given such an honest explanation of who we really can be oh, yeah. when we're in the thick of it. Total black, just total, I mean, just, just demonic possession you yeah. know and, and yeah. it's and it's clear that yeah. you're not that guy today yeah yeah and I, I struggled with that Todd throughout that last 10 years again I knew that I wanted to stop but again it was just I couldn't I needed that dope to breathe it was like that's why my heart goes out to these people who are in treatment right now we all want that to just control it and when I saw it in the book it's like I just wanted to control it I knew I wasn't going to stop which is what I was leading to before I knew I, I, I was never going to stop. I couldn't. I needed it. But I knew I needed to g control it and just gauge it down a lot. But again, that just was beyond my power. But I didn't know that. So we're talking about May 7th. And so what happened on May 8th? May 8th, once again, the domestic battery took place. Um, I was taken into custody. And again, I prided myself, Todd, because again, they didn't catch me with dope. I'm not getting arrested for a drug charge i'm here for a battery case and i remember being taken and um they asked me um when i was in custody are you homicidal or are you suicidal and i refused to answer that question because i just felt like i had been completely betrayed i didn't want to live but again i just knew i just wanted to get back to the dope so i figured i was all i could think about was how much time am i going to get before i can get back to my dope and that's all i could think about so when they said am I suicidal, that kept resonating in my head. I don't want to be here. But then I, I was like, I don't want to die. But I don't want to be here. So I was stuck in that one. So they stuck me in the psych ward to you know, have the observation. And that's where I began to reflect on my life. What's been really going on? So you were 5150, right? And to the, they didn't, didn't 5150. It, it was a psych hold. It was an evaluation, yes. Because that's your sober date, uh, yes. May 8th. And that... Yes. That might have saved your life. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm completely clear of that because again, that's not a date that I chose, Todd. That's a date that the grace of God said, "Look, we're going to have to intervene here." I consider it a divine intervention when that Lake Forest or Orange County Police Department. Again, shout out to the officers of of, of Orange County nice. sheriffs. Again, seriously. Again, those guys are angelic to me. Again, they're out there putting their lives on the line and all they want to do is just, you know, serve and protect. I really believe that. And again, I made it really difficult for those guys. And again, I owe my life to those guys. And I told not just, that wasn't the first time I'd said that to an officer. I, a couple of, every time I got arrested, I told an officer, thank you. I, and that's kind of, that was weird to me. But again, I reflect on that right now thinking, I really owe my life to these officers that every time Jackson was met, they were right there to throw me in those cuffs and put me into some type of custody. You know, you know what I hear from you when you're stating those things is gratitude and humility. Oh, absolutely. And do you would you would you agree that um, you know we need to be humbled on a lot of levels to to first even ask for help, but but to remain humble to have any type of quality recovery? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's absolutely significant. Otherwise, I'm gonna think that I can do it again. And that's what I've done. Again, I can get humble for a second, 
when those circumstances hit, but to be able to actually remember and to remain humble and to remain in gratitude. Yeah, that's that's the challenge that I think everyone in recovery is 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 faced with. Am I am I right by did I see one of your shirts? Does it say "Stay Humble"? Yes, and that's can, can we take a look? Can you show the viewers uh, one of those shirts? Can you come over? Oh, sure, come over. Yeah, this is my friend Madison. Total support. What's up, Madison? Huh? We're gonna see the "Stay Humble" hoodie oh, over so, here. So, <laughs> so my "Stay Humble" um was basically a uh uh, uh inspirational. Uh, a message that I wanted to say. Thanks for that, Madison. So Let's get I, you in front of the mic over yeah. there, brother. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for showing that to us. Oh, there you go. So, yeah, so basically I said that, that stay humble, it just seemed to resonate with me. It resonated because, again, that's a, it was a word, first of all, I didn't understand. What does it mean to be humble? Mm -hmm. And, again, what I learned is that means I got to be willing to learn. I got to be willing to set everything I think I know aside and continue on a daily basis to learn and grow again i know absolutely nothing about sobriety i know absolutely nothing about how to live on a daily basis without going into selfish mode so that stay humble it serves as a constant reminder to us all that we have to continue to learn and grow in sobriety i love that man yeah. i absolutely love that yeah. and, and keeping your ego at bay yeah Right, not let that to get big and because we all get it back. We 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 all get recovered. We all get our jobs back in the cars, back in the wife or family back. We get it all back and think I'm good to go now. <laughs> then humility's out the door, and we're right back to it. The cycle starts. Is your daughter's name Gianna? Gianna Amaris Jackson. How is your relationship with Gianna today? It's amazing. She is uh, an amazing part of my life today. She watches. She's learning. She's growing. And, and her and her mother, I mean, her mom, I want to give a shout out to her mom as well, because the relationship due to the program, I do work a 12 step program, the relationship that me and her mother have today is absolutely amazing. And she still, you know, she loves to see us together. And that's what I want even more. I still, we're able to reflect back to that time and then to know that we have grown and I, we get to grow together as a family, even though we're separate, even though we live in a, two different homes, and again, I, that does hit me sometimes. There's a little bit of guilt that kicks in, but then I stop and I say, I'm grateful for the relationship that I do have. And again, that, that definitely is significant because we go to, like I said, the, the amusement parks, we get to go out to eat. Um, I'm involved with her school whenever she has plays at school. I, again, we're just constantly connected with each other like never before. You, you get to do some cool life stuff with her yeah. because you're sober. And before she was a hassle to me, it was a hassle. She Ugh, go to bed or, or, you know, go watch TV. You're getting <laughs> in the way of my narcotics. Could totally, you please man. just go away? Yeah. Just yeah. here, here's the keys. Take the car. You're only seven, <laughs> but that's a, serious, man. I mean, isn't that, and I know people out there can relate to that because if, I mean, sure. we love our kids, but when that addiction has us, oh, but yeah, it's not like that today. It's not like that today at all. I'm super stoked that a second ago you mentioned that you're a uh, that you're part of a 12-step program of recovery, and yes. I am too. Awesome. Um, awesome. It saves my life to this day. Yeah. What are some of the things that you do to maintain your sobriety? Because I, we we want to encourage people out there to recognize if you're struggling that here's a heck of an example right here with this gentleman who's come a long way, a proud Army veteran. Made, he's admitted he's made a lot of mistakes. He's gone through a bunch of stuff. 
with the courts, et cetera, and, and his life is a heck of a lot better today. And we always want to share with people what are the things that we're doing to keep what we have. And so could you share with, with, with the viewers and listeners the things that you're doing in order to maintain what you got? Well, I like to always you know, start off by saying this is what I, what I do. What I do for my sobriety, it may not fit for you, but again, these are some of the suggestions that I offered. Um, I, I guess you would consider I'm a, I'm a big book thumper. I'm going to put this in okay. front. There you Sorry. go. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm big considered a, a big book thumper. Again, I, I, I arrive with my big book at all times, um, and I don't just have it there. I actually get into it, but the trick is, you guys, I got to have another man in front of me. I got a, a, a sponsor men in the program, mm -hmm. which is literally made all the difference in the world. Um, they told me um, in the beginning, you know, trust God, clean house, you know, help others. That was working the steps. So again, I did work the steps and um, several times. And um, again, being able to work the steps, being able to work with other people and actually just actually sit in front of them and read that book. It comes alive to me. And again, it feels I, good, doesn't it, when you're doing it, that it, stuff? It, right? it makes it because just just to sit there and read the book and just say, "Oh yeah, I read this chapter." No, it's 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 nowhere near the effect. When you got another man that you're sitting across the and they got a highlighter and you're reading a paragraph and then he reads a paragraph and it's just that union, that bond that happens. There's no way that you cannot engulf yourself in this program. But again, it takes that willingness to want to do that. The sponsor that I had that shared that with me, I thought he was crazy. I'm like, I'm not going to read this book. I'll read it once. I'm not <laughs> going to keep going over it again and again. But again, it makes a difference when you got a new man, a new guy every single time and you get to share and carry that message of hope and you get to see them change and transition. That to me is the, the secret ingredient to sobriety working with other people and not just working get in that book you guys get in that book with your sponsor and read paragraph by paragraph sentence by sentence it literally makes a difference to me i can't get enough of it i, I can't man this is like next level jackson right here yeah, I, I, it's total I, I, yeah. I, I, I love the enthusiasm yeah. he has for the program of recovery and yeah isn't it uh isn't it a pretty cool thing to be to come from a state of total hopelessness, yeah, total, total, and yeah. I think that you can identify with absolutely that, total hopeless. to be on the other side, which is you got some hope today, and you're you're sharing that with other people. That what a relief, right, Todd? This is absolutely surreal to be sitting with you right here. I mean, you guys, not, this is the Z man, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm sitting here, very unimportant right here, very unimportant. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Believe I'll, me, <laughs> everything that you're doing again is awesome. And again, to be able to to be in this life right now. And again, it's not saying that, oh, life is all peachy keen, but again, I feel better equipped right now. My life is definitely different. There's still challenges, but it's surreal because I don't feel like that same person. And it's just three years ago. Yeah. I, I wanna bounce this off you. Yes. You know, we talked for several minutes about your service, yes. um, being in the armed services, yes. and being in the army. and. One of the things I was thinking about is, um, have you have you had the opportunity to spend time with any guys who are at VA hospitals? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Because that's got to be vital. Yeah. Can, can you talk a little bit about that for absolutely. a second? Absolutely. Mondays and Thursdays, um, I'm in a group at the VA. Um, it's called SATC, 
which is a substance abuse treatment center. Um, they are. They also have a program called PRC, which is the Pathways Recovery Center. Again, I was highly involved with those veterans there. Again, I did volunteer service, but the, those two groups right there, they consist of anywhere between 15 to 20 vets at a time. And each one of those vets I'm in direct contact with on a, on a very regular basis. Again, it's a crucial part of my sobriety today as well, because again, that VA, the Long Beach VA, they really, they came out and just really showed all kinds of support. And when we saw the brotherly connection that my brother in arms, we just connect with each other, that was vital. And that's one of the other emphasis that I put on a lot of these treatment centers that are in, in you know, Orange County or LA County. A lot of those guys have veteran programs or vets in those programs. I want to get to those guys as well. That is so cool. Yeah, and, absolutely. And is there, is it? It's a definite, it's a real connection. Is, yeah. I was just going to say, is yeah. there an, an autumn, almost an automatic, like very little needs to be said yeah. for, for guys like yourself who have served. Yeah. Nothing even needs to be said. You guys are brothers. Air right? Force, Marines, Navy, Army, Coast Guard. If it's if it's a brother in arms, boom, we're we're it's a instamatic bond. Yes, absolutely, and especially going through this sobriety thing, it bonds us even the more. And there's there's a tremendous <laughs> amount of veterans, uh, both men and women, who are suffering tremendously yes. with addiction. Yes. Right. Yes. And it sounds like you're doing everything you can to, to be of service to these people, absolutely. these people who are actually in the service. And I think that's just absolutely wonderful. Absolutely. I want to talk a little bit about Stay Stopped again. You know, it's this clothing. It's a brand. It's a lifestyle brand. Yes. And did you bring a couple of shirts that you can show to, to some of the viewers? But uh, yeah, because we're going to demand every one of these for free. And, and I'm kidding. And, and you know what, though? I, I, yeah. <laughs> Can I, can I, I just want to kind of just kind of give you a little intro on Stay Stop, the brand itself. Yeah, because I probably effed it all up. No, Go no, ahead. real quick. I just want to, because this is the another cool part. So many, all of this stuff that we go through, you guys, it all comes to full circle on in sobriety. All that stuff, it all makes sense. 2013, okay, I was in a rehab out in San Diego. Shout out to VVSD, which is Veterans Village of San Diego. And um, I was there initially supposed to be for three months. And I ended up staying for five months because, again, I'm really going to do it this time. And in doing so, one of the facilitators, he says, yeah, you know, drug addicts and alcoholics, they stop all the time. They just don't know how to stay stopped. And when he said that, my head kind of popped up and I had my pencil and I kind of just jotted it down stay stopped and at that point 2013 I had no idea that it would transition into what it is today because I just knew God and again I have to give I, the idea of God I, I embraced that I believe that that was planted to me in 2013 but when I got out of that treatment center Todd I did take my control back and I went back out there for some more experimentation because yeah, I did want to stay stopped, but mm, not so much. So two years, I would be on that run from 2013 to 2015. So that was a two year run from that point in time. Now remember I was 
dead set. I was going to stay stopped, but again, two years would take me back out. So in, when I was in the custody and H&I, I like to give another shout out to the H&I, which is hospitals and institutions. Those are the guys that go into the jails and, and bring the message of hope. Again, some folks from H&I came in there, gave me a big book, and I remember sitting back there thinking, might as well, there's nothing else to do. So I remember just thumbing through the book. I didn't bring my book in. But thumbing through the book and my finger caught page 553. And on that page, it was uh, the title of that chapter was um, AA Taught Him How to Handle Sobriety. That was the title. Excuse me. So it said, God willing, we'll never have to drink again, but we will have to deal with sobriety every day. And I was like, yeah. So I kind of just finger scanned it down a little bit to the bottom. When I got to the bottom, I said, it's no great trick to stop drinking. The trick is to stay stopped. And it was italicized, Todd. It was italicized, stay stopped. And I closed the book very slowly and I said, okay, God, I'm listening. I, I, I need to know what to do. Because again, automatically, I remembered. Like if you could picture on a movie, back to 2013, it stuck and it all kind of just pieces connected. And I said, what do I do, God? And it said, um, I had come to AA to learn how to handle sobriety. That's what I couldn't handle in the first place. That's why I drink. That's why I use. Because I'll get out there, I'll do my best, but I had no power to control it. So income, stay stop, which I decided I want to make a brand. I want to make a recovery lifestyle brand that could carry that message. You see so many um, skateboard, uh, surf brands out there. And again, that's their lifestyle. And they have such an impact on society. So I said to myself, here we are in recovery. This is a lifetime gig. This is a lifetime deal. We need something to support and encourage this lifestyle of recovery. Addiction is painted all over town. We understand that there's addiction problems, but we needed, I believe, we needed to see some type of message of hope. We needed to have some type of a lifestyle brand that we can identify with each other and to embrace each other with. So you, so you got to print on some stuff. Are you going to show me or not? I'm going to show you. That was a long time, huh? Yeah, what's that? Don't right, worry about how long it was. Okay. Just show me the brand. Okay, so here's what we got. <laughs> so here's what we got. So um, I'm going to save this one for last. So what we have here is we have, again, our... our oh, I like it. Our V-neck. Our V-neck. Um, this is our V-neck. Stay humble. Again, we have our branded sizing Is here. that a double X? This is a, a large. I got to get you one, huh? Yeah, I, I, I like a double X. I, I got I'll you. take four of those. We'll get you in. But, but if you notice right here, you'll see this is our actual branded label. You know, Dickies and Levi's. Yeah. And again, so again, I don't want to be just a t-shirt company, okay? I want to be the actual recovery lifestyle brand. Okay. Wear recovery, live recovery is on the back. That's one sample. Again, there's our other one, wow. which is our hoodies. Our hoodies are super awesome. These are super comfortable, super cozy, right? Um, and also, these hoodies um, are at the latest thing. Can I give a shout for latest thing in Costa Mesa? Yeah, yeah, seven seconds. 11, oh, wait, seven seconds. So, the latest thing, if you guys want to get one, the latest thing, Costa Mesa, they have a wide selection um, t shirts, tank tops, hoodies, um, hats. What about Speedos? No Speedos yet, coming soon. <laughs> 
See, Speedos, I mean, Speedos get a bad rap. Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm sick and tired of people not branding. <laughs> you know, I want to stay stop Speedo on the crotch, on the butt cheeks. I think that would be fabulous. Bump around, rollerblade, rollerblade around Long Beach. Did you like that? I like it. Yeah, yeah I'm not going to do that, but You're I'm thinking about You're not the first it. person that's asked for underwear, stay stop. <laughs> we are in Long Beach. I'm sure someone probably is doing that right yeah. now, even though it's 54 it's degrees coming. out. It's coming. Uh, so, yeah, so there's our, and then our, our tag back here. Again, we wanted to give it this type of a quality. So we have our tag back here, stay humble. And there's the hoodie right there. And then here's the big part. Yeah. What we wanted to do even more, again, we are, like I said, we want to connect with collaboratives, work with other treatment centers. We want to be able to collaborate to bring our brand to other alumni treatment programs. Because again, that's where I identify where it is. We'll do a 30, 60, 90 day program. And then after we're out, we're gone. So what we do is we collaborate. What we have is we collaborate with the New Directions for Women. I don't know if you guys know those guys. I'm very familiar with them. Again, they've been so gracious. Again, they're in Costa Mesa. We, we did their we did their scrubs, again, and they just basically are showing their support. We did the embroidering, and then we tagged it. Nice, awesome scrubs right there. We also work with the Anaheim Lighthouse. Uh, we also work with uh, the Beacon House, San Pedro, their alumni program. Well, I just want some scrubs for New Directions for Women. I'll take them in pink. I'll it. take anything Purple. with like funny little animals on it and there stuff like that. So that's yeah. it right no, there. No, I appreciate that. And if someone wants to order a Stay Stop shirt, where do they go? What's the website? Yeah, you want to go to Latest Thing is the first first line is Stay, I'm sorry, the lay, Latest Thing in Costa Mesa, or you can go to our website, which is staystopunited.org, um, where you can actually pick up some things that may not be in the store. But um, again, the latest thing, Costa Mesa. Outstanding. That's it. Mike, I'm going to give a shout out in a second here, but I want to thank M.A. Jackson for being here on the program date. Are, are you more comfortable now? I'm worked. I'm fired up now. Look at this. Look at this. A changed man. I want to thank you for being on the show today, man. God bless you, my friend. It, it's it's a pleasure. You're, awesome, you're my brother man. in recovery now. I love you so much. Thank you so much for Likewise. all you do. For all you do, Todd. You're doing it real life, man. I appreciate it. It's an honor to be on your show. Well, thank you for being here. God and congratulations you. again. You have a birthday come up in a few months. You stay sober. You're going to get that birthday. Uh you guys, before we part ways here, it's been a great show. Again, thank you to M.A. Jackson. And uh, I want to mention the NoelFamilyFoundation.org. Uh, for those of you who don't know what the Noel Family Foundation and Bradley's House is, Bradley's it's house. going to be the very first treatment center of yeah. its kind where we treat opiate-addicted musicians right. who have no financial resources or health insurance to get well. This is going to be a six-bed facility in South Orange County. Please, you guys, if you can, donate. Go to the Noel familyfoundation.org it's a full on um, uh, my, I'm losing my words here this is Treatment. a non-profit facility okay. all of your donations are tax deductible god do I need a cup of coffee because I'm effing up my words last but not least again I want to thank Balboa Horizons for sponsoring the program today give them a call at 833 not alone or go to balboahorizons.com if you guys need some help it's a great place to get help Thank you guys for tuning in today. M.A. Jackson, have a safe drive, drive, a safe drive home, yes, and I sir. want that Speedo within a week. You got it, man. Stay stopped. All right, brother. God bless. Thank you. All right. Mm -hmm.